Shamai a Kroiso. Hello and welcome to the CC4 Museum of Welsh Cricket Podcasts. I'm Stephen Hedges. This week's episode is an interview with David Battersby, self-confessed lifelong fan of Glamorgan. He might have come to your attention as the author of the 2016 publication In the Shadow of Packer, England's winter tour of Pakistan and New Zealand, 1977-78. to We talked to him about this and his other cricket writing, which now stretches to a history of the Pakistan eaglets, his memories of the 1977 first-class season, and Woofy, the life and times of W.A. Woof, the Victorian bowler from Gloucestershire. Okay, we'd like to give a very warm CC4 Museum of Welsh Cricket podcast welcome to David Battersby, cricket lover, cricket writer, and uh, at least according to his uh, Twitter page, lifelong supporter of Glamorgan County Cricket Club. Welcome, David. Thank you, Stephen. Hello. Hi. We'll come to Glamorgan, I'm sure, in a little while, uh, but perhaps would you like to tell us first your earliest memories of the game of cricket? My earliest memories were probably after we moved from Newport down to Tenby in West Wales. We always had a bat and ball in the hand as youngsters, myself and my brother. And, uh, you know, you not only played cricket, you lived cricket, you know, even playing Sabutio cricket. You know, it's uh, throughout the summer. And of course, you know, any time that the cricket was on the telly, you'd be glued to that as well. So those are my earliest memories. And... those glimpses of uh, cricket on the TV, mainly test matches, I, I would have thought. Who were the players um, that you remember seeing and who impressed you really early? Who were your sort of childhood heroes, cricketing heroes? And I remember those early 1970 tours by Pakistan and India and the West Indies. And it was also an era when Lancashire and Kent seemed to dominate one day cricket. So they would always be on the television, you know, the likes of Asif Iqbal playing for Kent. And of course, which was, I suppose, a great Lancashire side of the time, Barry Wood and Clive Lloyd and... David Lloyd, uh, Jack Simmons, etc. So those are the names that always, you, you know. And, and one thing I always remember as well is when Frank Hayes made his debut for England at um, against the West Indies. I don't know why, you know, these little things stick stick in your mind. But uh, so, so on television, those would have been, you know, the earliest memories. Um, just 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 to go go back a bit. My, my father was a big influence on me. Um, in respect to cricket you know my daddy played for Newport Fugitives and Usmouth Power Station in Newport and then when we moved to Tenby he was playing for Pembroke in the Pembrokeshire Cricket League and it was great because I used to go with him all over the county any any you know village or, or you know Pembroke would play I'd go along with him watch him but also of course join in with the other children and uh, play our own little games while, whilst our dads played. And, and what uh, sort of cricketer was dad was he a bowler or a batsman? Uh, a bit, bit of an all-rounder, really, but nothing of, uh, nothing of great note. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, obviously, uh, it was happy, happy memories. And um, in two thousand and seven, it was actually great. You know, we made a, a weekend of it in on Bank Holiday, the late Bank Holiday in May, and so we went down to watch the Glamorgan Surrey match at Cresselli, and uh, he, he was he was quite quite thrilled at uh, us popping along to that. But cricket has always been in the family, and it's not only my father, but my uncles and cousins, especially my uncle George in, in, in George Moore who, who from Newport. He was a long-standing Glamorgan member throughout the 50s, 60s, 70s, sadly passed away in the 80s. And then you've got my cousin, cousin Martin Moore. He played for Newport Athletic Club in South Wales schools, and he would play with and against quite a few players who ended up playing for Glamorgan, the likes of uh, Graham Reynolds, Graham Kingston, John Hopkins, Rupert Hill. 
Stuart Harrison and Len Hill. And actually, in Andrew Hignall's book, From Sophia to Swaler, there's a picture in there of, the, of a trial match that took place before the first ever game that was ever held at Sophia Gardens. And the picture in there shows Cardiff second, the Athletic Reserves playing Newport Athletic Reserves. And my cousin's actually pictured in there as the wicketkeeper in the photograph. But the first time I watched Glamorgan play was actually when we, when we left um, Pembrokeshire and we moved, moved back to near Chepstow. Glamorgan were playing at Lydney in the John Player League game in July 1975. And so my uncles and cousins came from Newport, stopped in, picked us up, and we all headed off to Lydney uh, to watch the match there. And it was a low-scoring game for a 13-year-old at the time to see these, you know, the, the likes of Sadiq Muhammad and Zaheer Abbas playing in the game, as well as, you know, the players you've been brought up, you know, following for Glamorgan, like Alan Jones and, you know, the likes of Malcolm Nash. It was, it was a great thrill. And just going back, when we lived in Tenby, my dad's cousin um, from Australia, Lorna, she came and visited us and she bought, and after she visited, she sent this book, My World of Cricket by Ian Chappell. And uh, it was fantastic, 13-year-old, glossy cover, beautiful. So I took it along to that first ever game at Lydney in July 1975. And once the, the game had finished, I rushed up to the, um, the, to the pavilion and I got hold of Sahir, opened up my book um, at the page where his picture was. And I asked him, oh, could you please sign the book? And of course, I was hoping to get a lot more other signatures in the book. But of course, Sahir opened up, looked at it and said, oh, what does he say about me? And he sat down in the chair and started to read the book whilst all the other players had gone into the pavilion. But, but luckily, there were a few Glamorgan players like Gregory Armstrong, the 12th man, and um, Alan Lewis-Jones and Arthur Francis and John Solanke still, still, are still able to secure their signatures in the front of the book as well. You describe yourself as a lifelong Glamorgan fan, uh, and that kind of assumes that you made a choice. But did, did Glamorgan choose you rather than you choosing Glamorgan? Uh, as children... You know, living in Pembrokeshire, Glamorgan was still always, you know, it was, this, you know, me and my friends at school, it was, it was always, you know, the results of the Glamorgan we always looked out for. Unfortunately, fortunately, whichever way you look at it, because my dad played every weekend um, for Pembroke, it was, we didn't actually go and see many games. When we were back to near Chepstow, I'd really stopped playing cricket and we started going to the game. So I'd, I would say, it was 1975 onwards, Stephen, which was really the, you know, the beginning of it all. We're talking about 50 years of cricket there. What have been the highlights for you uh, following Glamorgan? Oh, well, you know, that's, that's a tough one, really, because, you know, I've been lucky enough to attend all three Lords Cup finals, the 77 Gillette Cup final, which was, you know, a memorable day out. Um, unfortunately, all three finals ended you know, with the wrong results, you know, the 2000 defeat to Gloucestershire in the B&H and then the, the you know, the, uh, the most recent in 2013 to Nottinghamshire. So it would have to be um, really the 1997 championship winning season um, as, as well as the 2002 and 2004 one-day league, um, becoming champions of the one-day league, you know, some great players who played across those, those two teams, really. Um, but if, as far as individual performances, you know, it's uh, mainly, you know, Matthew Maynard is a big, you know, would, is probably my, my, my favourite batsman of all time. You know, I spent many hours watching um, Matthew play and to see him in the build up to that 2000 and final at the Benson Hedges. 
at Lords, you know, when he scored the the hundred in the semi final against Surrey at um, in Cardiff, and then you know that that knock at, against Gloucestershire at Lords was was just, when he won the man of the match was was absolutely uh, fantastic as well. We all perhaps remember the high points. Um, yes. are, are there any of the years in between when when Glamorgan was struggling that um, still stick with you too? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's in those early days, you know, 77, 78, well, 78 and 79, you know, it, we've had a lot of low points, it must be said, um, and uh, which far outweigh the, the highlights. But, um, you know, there's been quite, quite memorable, you know, even in the mid 90s, we used to have, you know, a cracking one day side. Um, when we played Middlesex in the quarterfinal at, at, at Cardiff of the Nat West in 1995, followed by the semi-final against Warwickshire, of course, when we were just dismissed for 86 and it was all over by 3.30. That was a most disappointing day because, you know, you're one game away from Lords. Um, and we used to have, you know, six and a half, seven thousand sellout crowds. They were big events, weren't they, back in the 90s, those one-day cup matches. And of course, then a few years later, we lost to Gloucestershire in the quarterfinals of, of the NatWest. So it was unfortunate for Glamorgan. We had a good one day side, but of course, the likes of Warwickshire and Gloucestershire, well, they were just, you know, superb one day outfits. Uh, so when did you begin writing about cricket, David? I suppose it goes back to, you know, when I used to go to Sophia Gardens as a youngster and I used to take my little score book and I used to go home and write up my own match reports. And, you know, I religiously used to keep scrapbooks during this area and I've still got my scrapbooks from 1978, 79, but it wasn't really until about 2013 uh, that I came up with the idea of writing my first book um, in the shadow of Packer, which was published by the excellent pitch publishing because I've always read and collected books. And I thought, well, you know what, you know, I might as well give it a go. So, David, tell us a little bit more about the book In the Shadow of Packer, how you came to write it and the story you tell in the book. For that tour of 77-78, I also kept a, a scrapbook on England's winter tour of Pakistan and New Zealand. And it was such an eventful tour. I was amazed that no one ever told the story of what happened. Um, of course, in the shadow of Packer, when Kerry Packer had his first season of World Series cricket, the first tour that England tour as England, not the MCC. Mike Braley, he had his forearm broken by Sikander Bacht when England played Sindh. So that meant he had to fly home. Jeff Boycott replaced him as skipper, which ended up with Boycott captain in England in a test for the first time. But the test also, uh, the first test at the Gaddafi Stadium in December 77 also saw Madassa Nazar scored the slowest ever century in Turkey. And uh, it's it, it still the record that stands to this day, you know, his innings of 114 when he was finally out lasted 591, 591 minutes. That was nearly 10 hours at the crease. But the writing that took place at the ground as Benazir Bhutto arrived with a mother to protest against the um, recent arrest of her father, Zulfika Ali Bhutto, uh, but then, then General Zirul Haq, pitch invasions, rioting, players running for their lives from the pitch. But then later on, day three, England's debutant, Jeff Cope, was deprived a hat-trick 
um, when Iqbal Kazim was caught in the slips by Brearley, but Mike Brearley, as Iqbal Kazim was walking off to the pavilion, called him back because he wasn't sure if, he'd, if the ball had carried to him properly. Of course, these are the days long before DRS and uh, video footage, so there's many who would have just let Kazim walk back to the pavilion. But so that was in. And then the team headed to New Zealand for the first test at the Basin Reserve in Wellington, where New Zealand defeated England for the first time ever in a test. Richard Hadley took 10 wickets uh, and England were bowled out in their second innings for 64. Eventually, the series was drawn one all. But uh, the book includes interviews I did with not only Madassa Nazar, who scored that slowest ever test century, but also Mark Burgess, the New Zealand skipper. And they were both, um, you know, lovely people to, 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 to communicate with. So, and, and interesting, I also got in touch with the New Zealand photographer, John Selkirk, who had several photos I could use in the book. But when I was trawling through Getty Images, I saw this fantastic photograph of Jeffrey Boycott standing next to a donkey, which, of course, the groundsman in Karachi used to, to roll to, 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 to roll, you know, the, the wicket. And so I, I knew straight away that I had to have Patrick Eager's photo on the front cover of the book. It was just such a striking image. And so luckily, um, Pitch Publish and the publishers were well up for that and secured that. So, so that was great. But uh, yeah, in England, they, they had such a, an interesting tour party at the time. Of course, they had the, the upcoming Ian Botham already making his mark in Test Match Cricket. Boycott, of course. Boycott being boycott. Just try and see if I can find what... Um, Bob Taylor, the England wicketkeeper, uh, said said about him. Bob Taylor states, but he always remembered when they went to New Zealand that uh, Jeff Boycott being bowled round his legs by Richard Richard Collins, the left armer, and unfortunately a young schoolboy asked Jeff for his autograph as he walked off the field. He refused quite bluntly, making the young boy cry. And our physio Bernard Thomas eventually getting Boycott to apologise and sign his autograph book. But it's incidentally, I go back to, you know, talking about um, the summer of 77. It was a day when I used to go little scorebook uh, of matches. And I remember it was the, the great about boycotts, 100th, 100, uh, Headingley, England against Australia in a test match. And I remember really sitting in front of the television all day and recording every single ball. And of course, boycott guys century and and it was a several years ago at the Cheltenham Festival of Literature Boycott turned up to speak and I took my little autograph book to him and Boycott of course is always very opinionated you know you can't get a word in edgeways but I showed him the book and I said can you sign this please Jeffrey and I told him the story about sitting in front of the television recording every ball and he didn't have a word to say. He just looked at me, looked at the book, signed it. And I think he was he was a little bit overwhelmed that somebody had actually taken time to do this in anticipation of him scoring his 100th 100. So it's quite, quite funny. But some other great characters, yes, on the tour, young Paul Downton, keep him wickets. Um, several players would end up making their Devlin, Jeff Cope, Mike Gatting, and Brian Rose. And then... Uh, yeah, of course, the late Graham Roop and my hero, Bob Willis. Yeah, one of the other little appendices caught my eye, which was uh, telling the story of uh, some of the cricketers on that tour after they'd, uh, they'd finished cricket. Um, do you want to just run through a few of the individuals who were on it and, and what happened to them? Well, yeah, sure. Um, and I suppose, you know, there's some... well. You know, Ken Barrington was manager on the tour and he's no longer with us because he sadly died, um, you know, when the, when England were in the West Indies in 1981. 
but of course, you know, my, my one of my early heroes, Bob Willis, he, he, he was on the tour. And of course, there was always um, uh, that notorious incident on the tour when Ian Botham went into bat because they thought Boycott wasn't pushing the score along. And of course, um, you know, it's uh, myth. Botham went in, called Boycott for a single and quickly basically ran him out <laughs> to get him out so they could sort of um so so both them and the rest and, and the rest could sort of push on and uh, get the runs on the board but Mike Braley he captained the squad in, initially um Jeff Boycott it was one of the earliest uh, tours that both them undertook for England Jeff Cope who made his debut um along with Brian Rose in that first test in Lahore the likes of spinners Phil Edmonds uh, Mike Hendrick and Jeff Miller the part uh, the Derbyshire players, John Lever of Essex, Mike Gatton, of course, who, who went on the tour and made his debut as well later on in, in the series. And it, it, it always strikes me as, as a very interesting where, where players end up. And there was a little piece that you wrote about Chris Old ending up working in a, a, a Sainsbury supermarket somewhere in Cornwall. That's right, yes. He, he ended up working in a super, Sainsbury supermarket. Um, but that was after he, he, he owned a fish and chip shop in, in Prasans in Cornwall as well. I, I think he, he he's also went into a bit of coaching as well at his local cricket club in Falmouth. So he wasn't he wasn't quite lost to the game. It was chilly. <laughs> Since the publication of that book, uh, David, you've published three other paperbacks, and numerous monographs and articles. What's been the driving force behind uh, all of the writing that you've done? Has it just been a, a joy to pick out new new things to write about, new people to write about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it all started with the monographs and um, following it on was this monograph was about England at the Gaddafi Stadium, that test match in December 1977. Uh, and what happened was, was that I was the book was already at the printer's. I was down visiting um, down the road, chatting to a friend, Mike, who works at a lo local record shop. A customer who's a big Rolling Stones fan who just happened to be around. I know Jonathan, who was the chap. As, and Mike said to Jonathan, oh, Dave, do you, um, Jonathan, do you know Dave's written a book of kit? And Jonathan, no. And Jonathan had actually walked, worked for Gulliver's Travels you know quite a few few years ago and of course I've been on a lot of these England tours but anyway I told him what the book was about and he said you're kidding me Dave he said I was backpacking around Asia during that period and I was at that test match at the Gaddafi Stadium so anyway I said wow so anyway he told me all about, about the test and he said hang on a sec and, and before we knew it he dug out about eight or ten photographs he'd actually taken of the rioting of the players running off the pitch mm -hmm. and it was just fantastic and so of course he let me reproduce these in my first monograph and of course by that time of course I you know gathered a lot more information about the test match and so that's that's what kicked me off on doing the limited edition monographs and of course I've um, written a whole host of various subjects whether it was uh, about when I went down on Royal Wedding Day David me and dad hit 200 not out for Glamorgan in the championship against Somerset, which was fantastic, because I think Alan Jones was the next high scorer with about 32. So it really was was fantastic the way he went about knocking Joel Garner, the likes of Joel Garner, around, around the pitch that day. And then also I've done, you know, various other ones on, for example, um, there was an old, a Glamorgan player who played for Glamorgan in 1891 called Hugh Murray Ingledew, who also gained three Welsh rugby caps at outside half 
1890 and 91. And I was able to um, gather information about his life. I'd already had a few letters, which I'd acquired um, about, you know, during the era when he was at Glamorgan. He'd, he'd um, written into the Secretary of at the time at Glamorgan. And so I thought, well, these would be great. I'll reproduce these writers' stories. And I called it Sporting Solicitor. And it basically details his um, rugby and cricketing career in that. And also... Um, in all of these letters that I had, I also could write an extensive account of Glamorgan's first ever game back in 1889 when Glamorgan played Warwickshire at the Arms Park. So I was able to reproduce a lot of letters to players who were actually writing into the secretary, stating we are happy to play in the match against Warwickshire and, you know, these beautiful signed letters. And then just, you know, from old newspaper, you know, from the newspaper archives, just... Um, pieced together a, a lovely little account of, of that first game to coincide with the 130th anniversary as it was when the booklet came out a couple of years ago. But, Can um, you tell us a little bit more about the monograph My Summer of 1977? Yeah, well, that was done as a bit of a bit, bit of fun at the time um, because I thought, well, you know, it'd be nice to sort of, as well as doing monographs on various specific subjects I thought I'd sort of go down the autobiographical route um, because for me that when I was 14 it was such a you know a, a great summer not only you know which obviously culminated in heading off to Lords to watch Glamorgan against Middlesex in the cup final but in 1977 it was a year when I would regularly stay with my grand Church road in port walk down the hill train station catch the train to Sophia Gardens and I'll be there with my little scorebook, the Morgan beanie hat, you know, with my, my squash and my Heinz cucumber paste sandwiches. And, uh, you know, basically being engrossed in the game up until, of course, the lunch or tea interval and rush to the pavilion, get all the autographs on, on my scorecard. Uh, and basically, you know, it was, a, it was a great period. Some of the games saw was a match... Uh, when Glamorgan played against Hampshire. And uh, unfortunately, it was a game when Trevor Jesty seemed to bat forever and ever for Hampshire. But that was, uh, that was, that was a good memory. And there were some great characters at the time he, he used, used, to, used to see there. And uh, I always remember it used to be sort of, you know, um, it wasn't necessarily 77, but, you know, 78, 79. I always remember, you know, Wilf Wooler used to sort of make, you know, used to appear and used to say hello to all the members, you know, and Phil Clift, who was then, I think, the secretary at the time, and they'd sort of all be wandering around and they were sort of well-known sort of characters. The culmination of that season was an appearance at Lord's for Glamorgan. Do you remember that? Did you go? Oh, absolutely. Um, my my father, my, my, my uncle, my cousins from Newport, my dad, we were off. We were down there in the car. Time was against us. As we arrived at Lord's, my cousin Martin, he just parked the car up, thinking it'd be all right for the day when we got back afterwards. Of course, he had a parking ticket on the car. But it was a fantastic day where it seemed to be like the whole of, you know, South Wales had taken over Lord's. But, you know, you always remember certain things that happened now, looking back, how, you know, Glamorgan batted first and the dew on the the outfield slowed the ball down going to the boundary rope so of course probably cost Glamorgan about 40-50 runs that day and of course those those massive sixes from Mike Llewellyn off John Embry you know the one that nearly cleared the pavilion and it was just the overall you know over in the 
the tavern bar, the singing and, you know, the homemade daffodils and, and of course, probably the highlight looking back on it, apart from Llewellyn's um, sixes, was, was um, the ground erupting when Malcolm Nash had Mike Brearley caught behind by Ifeen Jones' first ball. You know, that, 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 was, that was tremendous. So it was, uh, yeah, great, great, great. Just a shame we couldn't win, really. But I always remember that day Clive Radley batted superbly. I always remember the way Radley used to race, the running between the wicket from Radley, absolutely superb. Just remember that to, to, to this day, you know. it's uh... Much of your work is, is self-published, David. Is that just because it's easier to do that than try and get a publisher interested? Well, I think there would be publishers who would be interested, but to be honest, they're not going to be really... A publisher wants to make money, doesn't he? So... You know, for some of the, the subjects I've written about it, probably, um, you know, wouldn't be much in it for them, really. And also, you know, sports publishers like the excellent pitch, you know, they've got several hundreds of authors in a year which they want to stick books out. And, you know, at the end of the day, I want to get them out quickly as well. And so, uh, you know, whereas I have to wait, you know, two years to get one publication out, I can stick out three or four, you know like a book and two or three monographs in 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 the same same year and uh you know what what one book i've i must mention which which i've written and self-published i did it as limited edition of 120 it's now sold out and it was basically on the pakistan eaglets tour tours to this country um in the 1950s and uh, they were a team of young cricketers founded by justice cornelius and they toured england and wales every year from 52 to 59. Um, and they played extensively in Wales against club sides, but also against the, the county second 11. Uh, and they played Glamorgan in fi- second 11 in 56, 50, 56 to 59. And on that 53 tour, they had the Fazal Mahmood, who was, of course, skipper of the legendary 54 test win at the Oval. But they would play several games in Wales at, at, at such places as um, Pontebarum, Ebervale, Ammonford, Cross Keys, Pembrokeshire, Whiteheads, um, in Newport, Bliner, Mountain Ash and Swansea, to name but a few. And also they took on a West Indian eleven at Ebervale. That included the likes of Frank Worrell, Everton Weeks and Alf Valentine. And on the 30th of July, 1953, they played Swansea at St Helens when Glamorgan fielded Don Shepherd, Gilbert Parkhouse and your father Bernard. It was a day when Gilbert Parkhouse, incidentally, scored 119 for Swansea. I think Dad was lucky enough to be at the other end when Gilbert uh, made a, a few hundreds. What do you get from your writing about cricket, David, as opposed to watching uh, or playing and participating? What is it about writing that, that perhaps opens up a new window for you on the game? It's, it's very hard to compare, really, between writing, watching or playing, um, because you need to... You need to visit grounds to watch watch the game and, and not only to watching it on television, but listening to it on the radio. But you also need to play the game a little bit as well. You need a rounded knowledge of the game, even though I haven't played, you know, cricket for several years now, apart from knockabouts, you know, I suppose on the beach or in, in the park. Um, but I suppose nothing can really beat taking a wicket or scoring runs. But um, it's nice when you get, you know, when you spend a lot of time researching and, it ends up when, you know, you get a nice review or, or you sell out of a publication. I've got a loyal number of customers on, on my mailing list and, and, and it's lovely, you know, uh, the, the comments you have back 
Um, I think that's that's one thing I get from my writing to, to, to really know it's appreciated. But I feel I, I really do feel like writing is really in its infancy. Um, even though I've you know written four books now, getting on the monographs, I, I, I feel. How do you describe it? I suppose if I was if I was if I was batting at the crease, I'm only on. I've just reached double figures. I've got, I've got a long way to go. What are your current plans? Um, I have, yeah, um, at the moment. I got a volume to Stan Eaglet's book um, coming out, which in, not only includes, it's all about the 1960s. It features the Eaglets uh, on their tours to Malaya, and Ceylon, as it was in 60, 61, but the 1963 tour of the UK, which is pretty much their last tour. And um, But I've also had to revise the 1959 section for my first book because there was a local newspaper strike. And so I really struggled to find um, scores from several of the games. But I've been able to, luckily, I, I'm, I've become very friendly with uh, a lovely gentleman called Najam Latif, who's the curator of the Lahore Cricket Museum. And he's been able to supply me some fantastic information. You know, he's in contact still with a lot of ex-players Eaglets players who actually who toured this country. So uh, he's been able to unearth some fantastic reports from the Pakistan Times from 1959. And of course, you know, it's been great because I didn't didn't have really that much on the Glamorgan second 11 game against um, the Eaglets in 1959. But now I got full match reports, you know, with scorecards, etc. And, you know, it's amazing that the Pakistan Times would have a really extensive report of, for example, the Eaglets play in Pembrokeshire. So everyone in, you know, in uh, but also apart from that, um, going back to the Glamorgan connection, I was there at Newlands for the test match at the beginning of last year. And I was wandering around the pavilion and I kept on seeing these Western province photographs on team photographs on the wall. And there was Peter Swart, who, of course, I remember playing for Glamorgan in 1978-79. I always remember Swarty, he would be there with his collar turned up like Tony Gregg. Um, I was smoking a fag and then he'd normally come to the crease with about five overs to go. And he used to sort of like try to dance down the ricket and deposit every ball into the river taff. So it was quite entertaining at the time. And uh, so I've written a monograph about him. It's practically finished. Alan Wilkins has been a great help on that, I must add. Just waiting for a, a final bit from Mike Proctor. That will hopefully be coming out very shortly. And I've also bizarrely, I say bizarrely, but... Um, and, and, and it's a weird um, way I've got round to doing another monograph, which is um, about 80% complete. It's on the New Zealand cricket administrator, Jack Phillips. And um, Jack Phillips was the manager on the 1949 tour from the New Zealand, uh, the Kiwis to this country. And he was always regarded as one of the best managers ever to have visited this country by any touring team. It was only a, a couple of years ago that I realised I'm a big fan of the New Zealand music group The Chills, who of course are fronted by Martin Phillips, who's actually Jack's grandson. And so I've been able to uh, get in touch with Jack Phillips's son, Donald, and um, yeah, Richard Hadley has kindly written a bit in, in the monograph for me as well, who um, I'm in contact with down under. And um, so that'll be coming out at some point in the year as well. How can people get in touch with you if they're interested in any of your work and titles, David? Email, so is the best, Stephen. Um, I, I, can I give my email address? Of course, yeah. Yeah, so it's dave at talbot, T-A-L-B-O-T dot force nine, that's F-O-R-C-E and the number nine dot co dot U-K. And I can add anyone to my mailing list so they don't, uh, so they know of future publications. Um, 
And, and you know, I've been in a lucky position, really, that they all do seem to sell out fairly quickly. So uh, it's um, once they're on the mailing list, then they'll, they'll have a, a good chance of, of securing copies. And are you hopeful of getting back uh, to Sophia Gardens at some time this summer? Oh, well, yes. You know, it's um, um, it, it's it, you, we sorely miss it, don't we? And you don't really appreciate what you've got until you do miss it. You know, and it's not only Sophia Gardens, of course, because, of course, when Glamorgan played Gloucestershire at Newport a couple of years ago, it's great to go to Spitty Park. I love my day every year of going to St. Helens to watch Glamorgan play. Um, but obviously, you know, due to COVID, games are only played at Sophia Gardens this year. So, yes, you know, it's uh, you miss hooking up with, 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 with the people you do know there. And, and uh, it'd be interesting, cause, you know, because obviously there's some nice emerging players now on the scene. That uh, Joe Cooker, we've yet to see in the flesh, but, you know, we've been lucky enough to watch him on, on, on the live streams. But also the likes of Callum Taylor as well, who's... Uh, impressed as well you know so yeah and of course you know well, we, we hope that Marnus Labuschagne will be back as well hopefully yeah I'm, I'm very hopeful a big thank you to David for sharing his thoughts on cricket and some of his writing about the game his enthusiasm for it shines through as does the meticulous research he carries out for his publications thank you for listening we do hope you join us again next week for some more stories about the great game of cricket in the great country of Wales. Hoilvau, bye for now. What's the story story you have in Gdani? Ebosiwch mwcpod1921 at gmail.com Neu ewch i'n tudalen Facebook, Museum of Welsh Cricket Podcast. Neu i'n tudalen Twitter, at Welsh Cricket Pod. Do you have a story you'd like to share with us? If so, please contact email mwcpod1921 at gmail.com or go to our Facebook page, Museum of Welsh Cricket Podcast, or our Twitter, at Welsh Cricket Pod.